1025. It's time to talk football. It's Clyde One Super Scoreboard. Good evening and welcome to Super Scoreboard. Gordon's away to enjoy a bit of a well-earned rest, but we'll still be here through the summer from 6 until 7 o'clock. I'm Alison Conroy and joining me tonight from his man cave is Hugh Kevins. Well, you're fortunate, Alison, because you've just missed the ice cream man. He was here five minutes ago <laughs> and he's a big Super Scoreboard fan. So if he'd just timed his arrival for five minutes later than that, he'd have been on his favourite programme, but he's gone. Did you go and get something? Uh, no, I was patiently waiting for you to start the programme, so I couldn't get a movie. Oh, what a shame. Well, remember, you can give us a call tonight, 0141 951 1025. Hugh, first of all, let's start with Rangers and reports from Belgium suggesting that they're set to sign Yanis Hadji on a permanent deal. The winger, of course, joined from Genk in January on loan. All these reports seem to be coming from Belgium at the moment. Rangers say nothing has changed in the last few weeks. Of course, Ross Wilson, the sporting director, has already said that the pandemic could possibly scupper any chances financially. Yeah, he's a decent player. Listen, but £5 million at a time like this, I'm not sure. I think that represents a huge gamble. The asking price seems to me to be a bit rich for anybody's blood when financial Mm. carnage should be on the way here. Players at Rangers are on wage deferrals and they'll shortly be looking to go back on to full pay. So that would surely rule out a huge capital outlay on our new signing. Yeah, and one player that has gone to Genk today, Celtic have sold Abui Kuasi. Of course, he went to the Belgian side on loan in January, made just four appearances before the shutdown, but that's been enough to convince them. Well, this is the other side of the financial coin, isn't it? You know, that's a handy seven-figure sum for Celtic at a time when it's mostly money going out and nothing coming in through the gate. Bui Kwasi was always an idea that never worked out. He, he, he was a, perhaps a Scott Brown for the future, but it never worked out that way. So I think Celtic will be happy to get the money. Do you expect a few more to be heading out from Celtic soon? All clubs, Alison, I think will have to review the size of their squad, how many they want to keep on. You can see it happening at all levels, at clubs big and small. Uh, There will be financial carnage and Celtic will not be immune from it. Neither will Rangers and all of them will have to draw up a financial blueprint when they get back to playing football. Got a little bit of delay from Hugh, but we're getting there. I mean, Hugh, Neil Lennon has said himself he doesn't expect to do too much business in the summer in terms of players coming in as well? Well, Celtic, let's be honest, have a squad that is uh, more than capable uh, of winning the league title again next season. Uh, They've got big players there like Odson Edward uh, who uh, is on a lengthy contract. Likewise, Callum McGregor, James Forrest. So Celtic are well covered. They have a a top-class squad. At the moment... Unless Edward goes out the door, they don't really need anybody in. In terms, you know, you say Celtic don't need many in. Rangers today, Greg Doherty, he's come back to Rangers after his loan spell ended at Hebs, Loring, Camberry, obviously going back to Easter Road. How much business do you think Stephen Gerrard needs to do in the summer? Well, he has started to trim the squad, hasn't he, Alison? You know, mm. he, he announced that mini cull uh, a week or so ago. 
Uh, and again, Rangers will have to look at the size of their squad, who they can afford, what they can afford. Uh, but Steven Gerrard does need other players in because he was 13 points behind Celtic when the league was called and he didn't make a cup final in terms of the Scottish Cup. He did get to the Betfred Cup final but lost it to Celtic. So on the face of it, of course he needs players to catch Celtic because next season is the biggest of all time for the Celtic and Rangers conflict. Remember, you can give us a call tonight 01419511025 and Brian in Blackhill has done just that. Good evening, Brian. Hi, Alison. Hi. So the, there was a lot of talk over the weekend. Uh, so the question I want to put to you guys tonight is how highly does Celtic's nine titles in a row rank in world football, for example? Is it better than Arsenal's invincible season, Leicester were in the Premier League or even Barcelona's 08-09 treble season? Uh, well, I'd answer your question, Brian, by saying this. In my lifetime, I have watched nine in a row being done three times, twice by Celtic, once by Rangers. If you look at it in that way, then it shows that we are a two a two-horse race in this country. Uh, and therefore, it's a big thing here. It's a huge in terms of our culture, our Celtic Rangers culture, but it's not a huge thing out with Scottish boundaries. Brian, do you want to come back in? Yeah, no, I, I totally get that point, that outside of Scottish football, it's not a big deal. But to win nine trophies in a row in any league, it doesn't matter... Uh, where in the world it has, has got to be up there with one of the best achievements for any football club um, over the weekend uh, obviously this debate was going on as well and for people to say Leicester winning one Premier League title is better than Celtic winning nine in a row and going on for ten in a row is, is just not anywhere near um, where it should be um, I think nine in a row is a big achievement even Rangers nine in a row um, that's a massive achievement as well it comes nowhere near an invincible season, or even winning the Premier League. When you go back to Celtic's first uh, nine in a row, which began in 1966, finished in 75, Scottish football was an altogether healthier place then. Rangers actually won a European trophy, while Celtic were in the midst of winning nine in a row. That's how strong Scottish football was then. It's not that strong now, and I repeat, if we have three nine in a row triumphs, since 1966, then that tells you this country is about Celtic and Rangers and pretty much that's it. You you say that um, outside of Scottish football um, it's not that big, but Celtic and Rangers both made out uh, the Europa League group stages. So how can you say Celtic and Rangers aren't that big or the Scottish League isn't that big? Celtic and Rangers are making a point here. They're making uh, Scottish football known yeah, of course they are, but on the, what's this, the 53rd anniversary of Celtic winning the European Cup in Lisbon against Inter Milan, mm-hmm. the first British club to win the trophy, that was huge. But now you have to see the nine in a row in context. It's huge in Scottish terms. Next season, when Celtic are going for 10, it will be the biggest of all time if Celtic get it. However, you have to see this in context. Nine in a row is big in Scotland. It's not big out with Scotland. Brian, what do you think Celtic need to do over the summer when they're chasing this 10 in a row? What would you like to see your club do? I think the team itself just now is very strong. 
Um, I don't think there's a lot of transfers that we need to do. I think Neil Lennon said two or three players. And I totally agree with that. I think we need to build a bit at the back, get another um, top-class centre-back in, um, and maybe a left-back as well. But up front, Edward's popping in. Lee Griffiths is still there scoring the goals as well. So I don't think in transfer market there's much that we can do. And I think over the next season, it's just all about consistency. Celtic need to be consistent. The first half of this season wasn't the greatest, uh, especially in Europe. Um, the second half, obviously, Celtic stepped up the mark after New Year. So I think it's all about consistency. You agree with that, Hugh? It's about for have... Celtic in that form, picking up where they left off? Well, Brian touched upon Europe earlier on. Now, if Celtic want to reach the group stages of the Champions League, there might be a, a tweak or two necessary there. Uh, in terms of the domestic football, I think they're more than strong enough. But Celtic will need to assess the financial hardship that has come as a result of the coronavirus. They're putting out an awful lot of money in big wages every week and there's absolutely nothing coming in. So there will be a financial penalty where Celtic are involved. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. But all obviously all around the world as well, everyone's going to be hit financially as well. Um, but for me, Celtic only need to make two or three transfers, tighten it up at the back. Uh, and I think we can get in, out of the group stages again in Europe. Um, as I said, this consistency is there. Celtic just lacked that a little bit after the group stages. They weren't quite up to uh, scratch. Uh, but domestically, we were totally running away with it. And I think uh, next season we'll run away with it again. Well, again, qualification for the group stages of the Champions League will never be more important to Peter Lawwell and to Celtic because to get a windfall of that nature, uh, that's you really compensating for the financial damage created by the coronavirus. So qualification is the number one priority uh, at the start of the season. Ten in a row is the number one priority at the end of the season. Thank you to Brian and Blackhill for being our, our first caller this evening. Hugh, I want to touch on something that I mentioned already. Greg Doherty, I said, back at Rangers after his loan spell. Florian Camberry, back at Easter Road. What kind of reception do you think he's going to get there? Um, not great. Uh, supporters do come into the equation and the HIB supporters are preparing to uh, you know, do what they can to help the club financially in these difficult times. Camberry said too much. Uh, that was negative where Hibs were concerned. And, uh, you know, it would take, I think it would take an awful lot for the Hibs supporters to take him back into their hearts. Do you think he's a player that would interest Rangers long term? Uh, yeah, I do. Um, you know, we've, we've heard the, all the stories about Lyndon Dykes. Uh, and, you know, he and Camberry, that's maybe the market that Rangers are looking at at the moment. Um, he did a reasonable job, mm -hmm. Camberry. Has he got the consistency to play at Rangers level? And that given that next season is the most important title of all, uh, well, that, that's a gamble for Stephen Gerrard to take. Let's go back onto the phones now. And Charlie is a Rangers fan in Airdrie. Hello, Charlie. How are you doing? Good, thank you. What's your point tonight? Uh, it's about you. Um, always coming up, seeing Rangers are always skint. Where did I listen to him? Uh, did he read the newspapers or what? Does he not realise we're just after signing a big deal for a kit? A kit and then we're putting £250,000 into the Rangers shop. 
There's five million pounds been put down even before a jersey's been sold. And there's rumours that um, <coughs> there have been a pipe money for a while that um, the richest man in Scotland's coming in, Jim McCall. Uh, once the pandemic came, bites the dust. Uh, so I don't understand every time he, he comes on, he's always about Rangers. You think, as uh, I say, a top of the hate me team or something, the way he talks. Well, Charlie, first of all, I did not use the word skint. You can play the programme back as many times as you like. I did not use the word skint at any stage. I simply said that to go for Hadji would be a financial gamble, given the kind of financial carnage that's been created by the coronavirus. I also said that players on wage deferrals will now be shortly looking to go back onto full pay. That's a lot of money for Rangers to pay out. Therefore, I was doubting whether you would buy someone at £5 million under those particular circumstances. I'm well aware of the shirt deal that's been signed, but uh, Rangers do have a, a, a financial base that's not as strong as Celtics, and therefore they have to be more careful. Uh, so I did not use the word skin, Charlie, and I did not refer to them as a Tuppence Hapney club because I know they are not. Charlie, do you want to come back in? Well, as I say, it's just a word, a, word, a Scottish word, skin. It's just the same as saying having name money, isn't it? Um, that's the way you come across all the time. You're always saying Rangers have name money. The thing is, Rangers are not going to pay a, to try and buy a player that kind of money. And they're not going to the money. Uh, and as I say, we're not daft. Um, if we can't afford it, um, we'll, we'll not go for it. Um, so, at the end of the day, and as I say, the thing about Jim McCall, as I say, just watch this space, as I guard that, is, um, because um, once he comes in, uh, we'll have plenty of money, and uh, there'll be even a better quality of player at Ibrox. Well, you've used the word rumours, and uh, you know I'm quoting you directly there, Charlie. You used the word rumours about Jim McCall. There have been rumours about Mr McCall for years in uh, association with Rangers. So Mr McCall, like everyone else, will uh, assess how he stands uh, once we get out of this coronavirus situation. So, again, to go back, you said that uh, skint is the same as... I didn't use the word skint. Charlie, with this money you see coming in and the kit deal, etc., what would you like to see Rangers doing in the summer? What do you think Stephen Gerrard needs when Celtic are chasing this 10 in a row? Well, I believe he needs to strengthen the team even more. And um, I was quite disappointed when he got out of the, the second uh, goalkeeper, um, Borneo. Mm-hmm. I, I don't realise how he got rid of him because I think he's a good goalkeeper. He was a good goalkeeper and he was quite energetic and he was a different type of goalkeeper, you know. Because at the end of the day, um, McGregor's not going to go in forever, you know. So they're going to go and look for somebody else now. So I was quite disappointed with that. Mm-hmm. But I still think um, he'll strengthen the team, uh, to strengthen the team even more. Some of the ones that's been there, I only think there's only um, Tavernier that's left with the uh, one who be a Deadwood for the last couple of uh, managers uh, so um, I would, if it was up to me I'd, if, if there were money coming about and somebody coming for Tallinn I'd get him away and all because he's just hot and cold but uh, I believe it, um, there will be money spent and I believe I, I, I believe this um, 
thing about um, Jim McCall or Will Hatton. Hugh, Charlie looking for someone to replace James Tavernier. Uh, well, Tavernier is a Rangers version of Marmite, isn't he? Some love him, some loathe him. Uh, I thought Fodringham was quite easy to understand. You know, he's been in the shadow of Alan McGregor for long enough. He? Yeah, he's been there in his shadow for long enough, Alison. And he's looking to play more first-team football than he was ever going to get when you're number two to McGregor. This is Clyde One at Super Scoreboard. We're back after the travel with Lindsay. Super Scoreboard. With Thompson's Personal Injury Solicitors. Your comeback is on. Talk to Thompson's.com. This is Clyde One Super Scoreboard. Hugh Keevens joining me, Alison Conroy, through until seven o'clock tonight. Remember, you can give us a call 0141 951 1025. Hugh, it's that time of the season when clubs are starting to offer new deals and let players go at the end of their contracts. Ross County today announcing that a host of players will leave 14 in total. Some of them were, were youth players. The ones that stand out today would be Richard Foster, Declan McManus, Sean Kelly and Lewis Spence all being told when their deals run out that they don't have a future there. I feel exceptionally sorry for all the players, Alison, but I think we are now in a very grave situation within Scottish football. The line between existence and extinction is now wafer thin. I thought when Dunfermline released 17 players in one go that this would lead to a domino effect. Ross County haven't laid off that number, but it's getting into that situation now where clubs are thinking, well... The equation here is we've got no money coming in and we're having to pay out lots of money. And when the government's furlough scheme ends, mm. it'll be even worse. So I think they are now cutting their cloth until such times, Alison, as there is greater certainty about when we play football again. It was just a few days ago that Richard Foster spoke about it and he said that he thought that clubs should extend players' contracts because of the furlough scheme rather than what he called a silly decision to free them. But for clubs, it's not that simple, is it? Well, clearly not, because if there was someone that, that I would trust implicitly, it would be Roy McGregor at Ross County. And he's a very independently wealthy man, uh, but he knows his club's financial state and he's looking on and casting a, an eye over Scottish football, and he's deeply concerned, and that's why he's starting to take the decisions that he is taking, and more will follow. It's the uncertainty for all clubs. We don't know when we're going to see football again, football with fans, most importantly for the clubs. Well, I know that uh, clubs were meeting today to mm -hmm. discuss the, the way ahead, clubs out with the, the Premiership. I think we have to be fluid in this particular situation. You know, Hearts have become a prime example of why we have to be fluid in our thinking because when Anne Budge started to talk about reconstruction, I was among those who said, why are we talking about reconstruction mm -hmm. right now? We don't even know how many clubs we'll have. But if Hearts were to drop into a championship next season, which did not resume until Christmas or even into January of 2021, they would be in a, an awful state financially if that happened. And they're even talking about playing half a league, 18 games, nine home, nine away. Hearts would be in a dire strait if that happened. So they're the third biggest club in the country. Should we now be thinking about a way to protect them? Do you think there will be a way to protect them, Hugh, in terms of 
reconstruction. Obviously, they had this committee, they had these talks, it was rejected, we've moved on from that. Is there really essentially still time to do something? Well, I'm not sure about that, Alison. I'm not sure how it would impact on the Sky Television contract, which was always an important topic of conversation. I'm just taking hearts in isolation and thinking the third biggest club in the country, terrific ground, terrific supporter base, if they drop into a championship which is only 18 games long, given the kind of wage bill that they have, horrendous consequences, and also in terms of Scottish football going forward, we need to think about our major clubs and how we make sure they are still here. 01419511025 is the number you need. And Nick in Airdrie has given us a call. Good evening, Nick. Uh, good evening, Alison. Uh, I hope you're well and you. Uh, it's on recruitment at uh, Celtic Park mm-hmm. uh, over, and, over and above uh, hopefully retaining uh, Elanusi and Fraser Foster uh, if I was Neil Lennon I would be bringing back Patrick Roberts and Benkovic and I would sign Aaron Hickey as well I know there will be people going out the door but I would get these three guys in uh, and I think it will strengthen the squad for uh, 10 in a row next year. Uh, what's your thoughts? Well, with regard to Fraser Forster and uh, Mohamed El Yunusi, that's a real tough one for Celtic because clearly they have a real market value. Uh, and Fraser Forster did his career an immense amount of good by coming back to Celtic and showing what a tremendous goalkeeper he is. So that would be the hardest couple of deals for Celtic to negotiate, I think, El Yunusi and uh, Fraser Forster. With regard to young Aaron Hickey, well, uh, hearts are in a predicament where if someone comes along and offers decent money for Aaron Hickey, they'll probably get him in jig time. Uh, with regard to Patrick Roberts, I think he possibly feels he's been at Celtic a couple of times. He wants to further his career elsewhere. I know he's very, very popular, almost iconic with the Celtic supporters, but he may feel that he's had his time there and he wants to go somewhere else. But just picking up on what you're saying about Patrick Roberts, has he tried that? Has he gone elsewhere and and maybe hasn't worked out for him? You know, could there be that, well, the Celtic fans want me back and I can make my mark there? Um, you need to ask Patrick Roberts. Uh, I, I would, I might. Uh-huh. On you, Hugh. Well, you know, I, I know he's been to Girona and he's been here and there, and it's nothing has actually worked for Patrick Roberts outside of Celtic Park. Mm. Uh, but. I don't know whether Patrick Roberts is in that frame of mind where he wants to go back to Celtic again. Maybe he does. Maybe it's a question that Neil Lennon can ask him. Uh-huh. Nick, do you want to come back in? Uh, yes, he only, he only played five games for Girona. He came back, he went out on loan to Norwich. He played three games and he played three games when he was loaned out to Middlesbrough in January and then he got a hamstring injury. But uh, if if somebody's going to ask you, do you want to go back to Middlesbrough and sign a full-time contract, or do you want to be playing in the Champions League with Celtic? I think it's a no-brainer. 
Sir Patrick Roberts. And uh, well, Benkovic, I... sorry Hugh, uh, Benkovic is playing with Bristol City on loan. Well, I, I go back to uh, my point, Nick, about someone will have to ask him the question, Patrick Roberts, uh, because it's going to be difficult times for players all over the country, England and Scotland. Uh, maybe he might think that this is a good time to go back to Celtic with the 10 in a row or the prospect of 10 in a row coming up. That might uh-huh. uh, excite him, but it's a question that... Peter Lawwell or someone is going to have to ask Patrick Roberts. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Nick. Thank you. Thank you to Nick in Airdrie for his call. Let's stay on the lines and we've got Simon and Clarkson. Hello, Simon. Hi, how are you doing, Hugh? Thank you. Hi, how are you doing, Hugh? Hello. Hello. Hi, Simon, can you hear us? Hello. Yep, can you hear you? Is you there? I am. He's back. Excellent. Excellent. Can you hear me there, I've just, I've just a kind of query and a question, right? Obviously, we, we, we have no idea what Jared's plans are for, for next season, right? No idea. But we've got a good idea. If it came to it, we wouldn't have any other guy except for Gerard, in my opinion, leading the team, right? So, so you were talking about kind of money as in regarding... Celtic can do this and they've got to do that and this is not kind of like a kind of typical Scottish or anti kind of Celtic thing it is how do you know tell me how you know Rangers can't afford 4 million for Hadji right right before, but before I answer the, finish the question so they're going to pay four, maybe 5 million for Hadji right and then Gerrard's maybe going to get another 2 or 3 in God knows maybe 100 grand maybe Maybe five and half five million, ten million. How do you know Rangers can't afford that? What I said about Yanis Hadji is that it represents a gamble for me because he he did well for Rangers, but is he worth that kind of money? Point number one. Is he worth that outlay? Point number how, one. How, how do you know Rangers can't afford that? I didn't say they can't afford them. I said, is he worth it? All right, okay. All right, okay. So, but see, see if it is, is it isn't worth it. How how do you how do how how do you know that four or mil, five, four or five million is worth or not? Because say there are ten million Rangers, they put ten million in. How do you know it's worth it for Rangers? How do I know? But I am saying, is he worth? Is he as a player? worth that kind of financial outlay? Did he do enough when on loan at Rangers last season to justify that kind of fee? I am not sure in my mind that he did. And that the reason I go back to finance is that it's simply a fact of life. It's there It's there in balance sheets. Rangers required £10 million in loans to get to the end of the season just ended. So they are not... Sure, I definitely... As I definitely. I definitely get that. I get that point, what you're saying, right? So how do you know Rangers can't come in next within the next month, once the season kicks off and say, here's 10 million, we're going to buy somebody else? How do you know it's not worth it? 
I, I'm not following your point, I have to be honest. All I said was that Yanis Hadji, for me, represents a gamble. Is he worth that kind of outlay? I am not sure that he is. Uh, Rangers will have to assess their financial position once we are over the coronavirus and back playing football. I agree, totally. Because so, so, they have players on wage deferrals who, who will be looking to get full pay. And and so 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 seeing your kind of lawyer knowledge, how do you know Rangers can we're okay with that? Well, first of all, I'm not a lawyer and it's not a legal matter. It's a financial matter and I I don't think that Rangers have the kind of money lying about the place uh, that would be available to Stephen Gerrard at a time when they have wage deferrals to meet, uh, at a time when they have to compensate for the amount of wages they've paid out while getting nothing at all in. How do you know that? How do you know that? Well, it's... it's... How do you know it's not the case then? A fair point, Simon, if okay. you're asking how he knows, how do you know it's not? But, but, but the point is, I don't know, but Hugh's assumption is he knows. No, I'm not assuming anything. I'm simply going on the last uh, financial figures released by Rangers where it was made known that they required uh, £10 million from investors to get them to the end of the season. That is not the mark of a club who should be paying out four or five million pounds on a loan e from Gink. Simon, would you be happy to see Rangers sign Hadji on a permanent deal? Of course you would. You'd be happy to. Any good players can come to arrive, but any good players you want to sign. But for people to say you, you don't have this, you don't have that, nobody knows in the boardroom. Nobody knows. So, so see all the assumptions that seem to come, or Rangers are skint, they can't do that. I have no idea how much money I've got in that boardroom. But what I want was, get another good player, get another good player. But seemingly Hugh just keeps wanting to go, well, where are Rangers getting the money? Nobody knows where Rangers getting the money. When they get it or not, it's brilliant. But you can't have Hugh Keevans saying they can't afford it when he doesn't know what's going on in the background. I have to make the point yet again, and uh, you you come back and always say you agree with this. I did not say you can't afford Hadji. I said, would you pay that money for Hadji? Thank you to Simon and Clarkson for his call tonight. Remember, you can give us a call 01419511025. Hugh Keevans is in the man cave, so we've got a little bit of a delay, Hugh, but we are managing to get through it, aren't we? Well, I told you, you were very fortunate. You just missed the ice cream van. <laughs> Hugh, I want to pick something up here that is a little bit different. And I've just seen it on the Livingston Twitter. And they have themselves said, quite possibly a football first, but we're giving you the chance to decide on the future of goalkeeper Gary Maley. His contract expires next month. Now, he's the third choice keeper. His contract expires next month and we're in the hands of the fans as to whether or not we offer stretch, as they call them, an extension, stay or go, you decide. So they're basically asking the Livingston fans to decide 
if he gets a new deal or not. Well, I'm going to have to give you an answer, an immediate answer straight off the bat, <laughs> Alison. I don't think that's fair on the player. Uh, I think at this particular time, players are in a highly emotional and vulnerable state because they're their futures have never been more mm. uncertain because of this unprecedented situation. I don't think it's right to make a game show out of one player's future. Yeah, yeah, that's Livingston as they've said quite possibly a football first with a Twitter poll to decide a player's future. This is Clyde One Super Scoreboard. We're back after these. Super Scoreboard with Thompson's Personal Injury Solicitors helping you return to action. Talk to Thompson's.com. Hugh Keevans joining me, Alison Conroy, through until 7 o'clock tonight. Remember, you can give us a call 0141 951 1025. I want to go straight back onto the phones. Craig in Cumbernauld, he's a Rangers fan. You've given us a call. Good evening, Craig. Well, good evening, Alison. Hugh, I hope you're both keeping yourself safe. Yeah. Um, I, I've got to say, I, I, and it doesn't happen often, but I, I kind of agree with, with Hugh um, on this one. Um, I think. You know, I, I'm not convinced that that Yanis Adji is worth gambling five million pounds on. Um, you know, because we're in a situation, Rangers, where you know, even take this global pandemic aside, there has there is absolutely no margin for error when it comes to any signings that are made this season. Rangers must stop ten in a row. Any error in judgment or in signing or gamble that doesn't pay off has a cost for Rangers that ultimately results in Celtic getting 10 in a row. And Steven Gerrard's job is on the line in that situation because his job is to stop that. If that doesn't happen, then his is the head that's in the chopping block. And I think when you look at Ryan Kent, I feel like we were having this conversation last year when we were talking about the £7 million yeah. for him. That was a gamble that I don't think paid off mm-hmm. because although he had a, you know, he had a tremendous first season... Not as good the second season, time round, Jay. Yeah, yeah, it's not been, and I just worry that although yes, Hadji has played, you know, quite brilliantly um, when he has featured this season. I, I just five million pounds is a hell of a gamble to take when you know that the signings have got to be so right um, because Celtic, I don't think, are going to get much wrong. Um, you know, of course, during the course of a season, they might drop points, but it's about making sure that that Rangers drop less, and I just don't think. Had it been maybe two million, you know, or three million, then maybe I would look at that and think that's worth it. Five million is a hell of a risk for me, um, and I just I worry that it could be a reckless move when you're in such a delicate situation that Rangers are in. Hugh, I want to bring you in here. Obviously, Craig has made your night saying that he agrees with you. <laughs> well, I thank Craig for that. <laughs> vote of confidence uh, and I also have to say I agree with his points 100% mm-hmm. because uh, Stephen Gerrard if he was under pressure season one and then season two season three the pressure will be astonishing because Craig is representative of the Rangers support the idea of Celtic winning 10 in a row is simply unacceptable to the Rangers support therefore Stephen Gerrard and all of the players will be under incredible pressure by the same token, Neil Lennon and the Celtic players will be under that kind of pressure because their fans believe that they are on the cusp of this achievement. They've had a great weekend watching footage of the championship trophy being delivered to Lee Griffith's house and Christopher Julian's house and 
all the fun of the fair. But come the start of the season, whenever that may be, the Celtic supporters demand and in some cases expect 10 in a row. And Craig is right. Steven Gerrard has to get this right. Otherwise, there won't be a season number four for Steven Gerrard at Ibrooks. Craig, what would you like to see Steven Gerrard doing in the summer before we finally get football back underway? Well, I, I think for me, there's a couple of things. That the, the main priority, I think, is in, you know, um, amping up the defence because one of our biggest downfalls this season has been the defending. It has at times been shockingly bad and had it not been for Alan McGregor, we would have lost so much, so many more points than we, we did. And I think, you know, at least two defenders need to come in. We need a proper, solid um, centre-back because I don't really feel we've got that. Goldson, whilst he does play well, um, and I certainly don't think he should leave the club, um, he, you know, he has his moments of inconsistency and I just think you need somebody there that's going to be that that stable player. Because I think ultimately it's a bit of lack of experience that's in, in defence and that's needed. The other thing I would do personally, mm-hmm. I think he needs to get rid of Morelos, um, you know, cash in just now and get the, you know, whatever he can get, 10, 15 million, because I think he could probably still get that from Morelos and use some of that money to bring in, you know, another good striker because you can get other good strikers, you know, for four, five, six million pounds that would be good enough to do the job that Rangers need. And we need a striker who, one, can get the job done against Celtic, which unfortunately for many of us, he's never been able to do, but also isn't such a liability on the park when it comes to discipline. He started so well this season with his discipline and then just fell to pieces from December onwards, getting a red card in the 94th minute at Celtic Park when the game was essentially already won was completely reckless and needless and cost them three games that it, it never had to and you can't have someone on your team who's going to do that because that is that can cost you league. so I think he has to go as well and bring in a more reliable striker um, and I think generally the midfield's okay we've mm. sort of shot ourselves in the foot by getting rid of Fodringham because we now don't have a backup goalkeeper who is going to be nearly as good as McGregor, which I think Fotheringham was. You know, so that's money we're now going to have to spend it. Otherwise, I don't think we would have had to. So, aye, I think it's it's about bring a defender in, get rid of Morelos, get another striker or two, um, and obviously we need another keeper now, which I think, personally think is just such a criminal mm. thing that we've done to let Fotheringham go. But um, that's, that's, that's where we are, because you need what Celtic have, which is consistency and the right mentality. Because to hear James Tavernier, the captain, come out and, and say the reason for the capitulation is because they you know, couldn't handle the pressure of not being underdogs. You're playing for Rangers. You can never be underdogs, even when you're playing Celtic to a degree, because there is an expectation, especially at Ibrox, that Rangers will be able to beat anybody in the league. So to say you don't like being under, you know, you can only play when you're underdogs, that's not good enough. Hugh, is that something that Stephen Gerrard needs to work on as well? He mentioned it so many times about the mentality of his squad last season. Is that as big a challenge for him to work on as much as bringing players in, getting rid of players? We're going to have to deal, Alison, with the utter weirdness of the situation that we find ourselves in. You know, the talk mm-hmm. of pressure 
uh, and the talk of mentality. Uh, Celtic and Rangers could be starting the season playing behind closed doors. No people. What effect will that have on the mentality? For some, it will enhance the mentality. For others, it will interfere with it. Uh, so we have to deal with the utter weirdness. And that applies to the transfer market. Morelos will not be worth now what he was six months ago because everyone is in a different financial position. Do Rangers want to let him go? Do they feel that he could be the material difference between Celtic getting 10 in a row or not getting mm. 10 in a row? That's a decision for Douglas Park and for Stephen Gerrard to take. So I take all of Craig's points on board, but we're moving into utterly weird times. We don't know how this will affect matters on and off the park. Ian Maxwell, the SFA chief exec, still saying he's hoping we'll have football come August. Weird. Well, with the greatest respect to, to Ian, uh, he's not a, a, a virologist, he's not an epidemiologist, uh, and it took me a long time to practice that word, Alison. Um, so Ian will be led by scientists. They'll tell him when football starts. Mm. The government will tell him when football starts. Uh, football won't tell football when it starts, and that's the problem. Thank you to Craig in Cumbernauld for his call tonight. I want to squeeze in another caller. It's Derek in Rutherglen, who's a St Mirren fan. Hello, Derek. Hi there, Alison. Uh, nice to have you presenting. Thank and you. Uh, just want to say um, to Hugh, um, you've done really well keeping keeping ahead when uh, that guy just seemed to be mostly what just came out of his mouth was, uh, how do you know, how do you know? So... Um, <laughs> you've done very well keeping a level head with that one. Um... Now, I'm just basically on about the Livingston mm-hmm. situation. The, the, I'll be honest with you, I think it's quite an unprofessional situation that they're in. Um, I think you said they're releasing a Twitter poll for the... Third, the third sub- choice keeper, yeah. Yeah. Um, to be honest with you, I, I think it's... Uh, being a St Mum fan, they're obviously my number one club, my number mm-hmm. one concern, but I couldn't help but have a wee bit of admiration for what Livingston had done, Gary Holt had done with a team and the budget that they've got compared to some of the other teams. But they just seem to have undone the, the sort of good feeling that I had for them um, and their achievements by basically trivialising what potentially is, is going to affect somebody's livelihood. It's just to see what you, uh, what you guys uh, think of that. Yes, you is, as you, we've already touched well, on, a bit of a bizarre one. <coughs> yes, it's, uh, it's than, for, for I've never actually seen anything like that happen before. Um, but because of the situation, being a third keeper, um, being in Scottish football, well, I, I do realise that, that pretty much every football league in the in the world at the moment is going through a, a really difficult situation because of this uh, this pandemic. But. Um, Basically, trivialising something that could potentially yeah. affect this guy's livelihood, I think, is yeah. is really unprofessional. I, th- I think they sh- it should have been the boardroom and the the owners, directors that should have that should make a decision regarding that, and they should really keep things keep in things until um, they've yeah, actually made a decision, as opposed to having it. A, a modern day tomboa. Yeah, the, Derek, I want to bring Hugh in on this one and like get his point. Obviously, Hugh, we've already touched on it slightly. Uh, yeah, 
Yeah, Alison, I'll give you a very quick history lesson. When when I left school many, many years ago, don't all join in at once, <laughs> but when I left school, I went to work in the, what was known then as the Labour Exchange, in other words, where unemployed people went to collect unemployment benefit. Mm. I was there for a year, and it, it taught me the impact that unemployment can have on families. And therefore, when we're talking about the employment or non-employment of a young goalkeeper, I don't think that's a game that you play with supporters and say, thumbs up if you want him to stay, thumbs down if you want him to go. Hundreds of players are facing an uncertain summer. It is a deeply worrying time for them. There has to be more sensitivity shown by a football club than to put one young man's professional life up to a vote. That's that's a joke. Yeah, when we look at players at the moment, obviously your Rangers players, Celtic players, they do earn a lot of money for their contracts. But when you go further down the Premiership into the Championship, these players are earning a living. Of course they are, they're on a decent wage, but it's not these millions of pounds that you're getting down south in the Premier League. No, many players now are wondering whether they've had their last season as a full-time player, whether they might need to go part-time. Will there be a club for them to sign for at all? It's a, a very, very serious situation. And as uh, Derek rightly said, you don't trivialise it in this way. This is this young man's chosen profession. If he has to go to another club and make his way again, then fine. But don't put his future to a, a show of hands, for heaven's sake. Yeah, I'm sure we'll get plenty of reactions to this one, probably even from the actual Livingston fans when they see this one happening. Well, I don't think that they should agree to take part in such a poll. I'm astonished that a club would do this. You know, they know, Livingston know, like every other club, that they are headed into perilous, uncharted waters. Let's not make a game show out of one young man's future. And that is about it for tonight. Thanks for everyone for joining us on Clyde One Super Scoreboard. Remember, we are here right through the summer. I will be back tomorrow night with Roger Hanna joining me. Cassie is up next.